Morning, church. Welcome to part one of a new series that we're beginning this Sunday called Building Stronger Families. You have some sermon notes if you'd like to uh, follow along, but we're going to do something interactive uh, before that. I believe God is going to use this series not only to build up individual families, but also the church, the family of God. Extremely important that we understand that God is our Father and together we are a family. So wherever you are in your a life and with your family. Understand we're part of a bigger family, the family of God. And the principles that we're going to be looking at over these next weeks fit into both categories, strengthening your family, your relationship with your family, and also strengthening our church, the family of God. This morning we start with the hub and heart of the family. Who is the heart and the hub of the family? God is. And then after that, should be the husband, but most often it's mom. Okay. <laughs> no, mom often is the heart of the family. Mom. Mom. What is a mom? Well, if we look at the de- de- definition out of the dictionary, it looks like this. A female parent or a woman exercising control. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Influence or authority. We're going to be focusing in on that influence piece in just a moment. But think about that definition. This is a tough time to be a mom. Can be a tough time to be a woman in general because the rules and the roles keep changing. I find it intriguing that mom now comes with some kind of descriptive adjective attached to it. It's not just mom. You got to be put in a certain category and have that adjective attached to your name. Hmm. We have adoptive moms, we have single moms, we have surrogate moms, we have foster moms, we got stepmoms, soccer moms, stay-at-home moms. You put the adjective that fits you on there. So we use these adjectives to describe what kind of mom you are. Things are much more complicated than when my mom was raising me. And understand the the place that we find ourselves as a culture uh, is fairly recent. And for some of you younger folk... uh, Things have changed dramatically and rapidly in just the last several decades. Things used to be much simpler, at least externally. I love this article, How to Be a Good Wife. It was found in a 1950s high school economic textbook. This is the way I was raised. So, here's what this public high school economic textbook said, which of course would be banned and burned today, have dinner ready. Plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious meal on time. This is a way of letting your husband know that you have been thinking of him. Most men are hungry when they come home, and the prospect of a good meal is part of a warm welcome needed, to which all the men said, Prepare yourself. Take 15 minutes to rest so that you will be refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup. Put a ribbon in your hair and be fresh looking. He has just been with a lot of work-weary people. Be a little gay. I better stop right there. (laughs) 
last summer we launched into a series on gender identity. That's not the purpose. Gay used to have a different meaning in the 1950s. So when we say be a little gay, work with me here. And a little more interesting. Oh, that would be interesting. His boring day may need a lift. And it goes on. Prepare the children. Take a few minutes to wash their hands and faces, comb their hair, and if necessary, change their clothes. Minimize all noises. At the time of his arrival, eliminate all noise of the washer, dryer, dishwasher, or vacuum. Try to encourage the children to be quiet. Greet him with a warm smile. Be glad to see him. Don't greet him with problems or complaints. Don't complain if he's late for dinner. Count this as minor compared to what he might have gone through that day. And, and the men continued and said, Amen. What's so hard about this? Now, make him comfortable. Have him lean back in a comfortable chair. Suggest he lie down in the bedroom. Have a cool drink ready for him. Arrange his pillow. Offer to take off his shoes. Speak in a low, soft, soothing, and pleasant voice. Allow him to relax and unwind, to which all the men said, Listen to him. You may have a dozen things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. (laughs) Try to understand his world of strain and pressure. He needs to relax and unwind. The goal is to make your home a place of peace and order where your husband can relax his body and spirit. And together all the men said, All right, let's close in prayer. Oh, ladies, you've come a long way. Just one generation. Now look at where we are. Is it better? Is it worse? That's debatable. Now, let me ask you a question that I hopefully isn't too difficult. How many of you had a mom? No extraterrestrial alien life forms among us. Good. Everyone had a mom. Now, we want to honor your mom today. Now, maybe you had an awesome mom. Maybe you had an awful mom. And understand, from my heart to yours, Mother's Day is often a painful day. It's painful for a lot of people in this room. Understand that. But every mom influenced. What was the one thing about your mom that influenced you? And so I'm going to ask us to do, as we from time to time do here at Southside, I'm going to ask you to get in a group of six or eight And when you get into your group of six or eight, the first thing you're going to do is select a fearless leader, okay, who will guide you through this process over the next couple of minutes. But here's what I'd ask us all to focus on. One outstanding character quality of my mom that influenced me is or was, and maybe your mom's here with you today, what a special, special privilege that is. But there was something about your mom whether she was a good or a bad mom, doesn't make any difference, that influenced you positively. What is that one character quality that immediately comes to your mind about your mom? And I'd like us to get in groups and share. Uh, Please be brief, okay? Be brief. Uh, But just give us that one quality that made your mom so unique and influenced your life to make you the person that you are today. Is that clear? So, uh, if you don't want to participate, if you're new or this is weird, that's cool. You don't have to, right? And we'll just kind of skip over you, so don't feel that you have to. Uh, But I think you'll find it interesting, those character qualities that will be mentioned in your group. Okay? Instructions clear. Uh, At the end, when you hear the music, uh, we'll come back together and continue 
uh, looking into God's word for some principles this morning. All right, let's all stand. The chairs are movable, as you can see. Uh, Groups of six, no more than eight, please, that allow everyone to share. So circle them up. Ushers will get you this leader's guide. Well, how was your group? Insightful? Moms, all shapes and sizes. I think one of the keys is that moms influence. Now, we all influence people, and one of the things uh, we want to do as a church is to connect, to influence people toward God, each other, our community, and our world. And I just want to say as your pastor, I had the chance to visit most of the work sites last Sunday. And to take the risk of closing down the church on a Sunday and going out and serve the community was well worth it. I'm watching you guys in action just absolutely thrilled my heart, and I commend each of you uh, for the hard work and the influence that we had. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to, uh, Phil, I hope I don't embarrass you, uh, but I just like, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Um, Phil is here, and I met Phil at one of the work sites. He is not a part of the Southside family, uh, but his connection is through what our team did at uh, the house last week. And so uh, he's here this morning, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, Mark McClellan, why don't you just stand there and introduce Phil to us, if you would, please. Hi, I'm Mark McClellan, and my friend Phil is here today, but uh, I'm going to speak on his behalf. Great. Um, Phil's new to, new to the church, and so I don't want to put him on the spot, but I'll speak for him. Um, he's a wonderful man, and... Um, us as a church being involved has definitely um, affected him positively. Um, it was a, a need in his life, and he just needed to know that there's more out there than just us walking around on this earth, that we generally care for people around us. And as a congregation, I'm very thankful to all of you for being involved in this. And uh, this isn't just a one weekend thing. I mean, when we're out shopping or out, walking the neighborhood. There's people around us every day that are in need of just a a high or a hug or encouragement. And um, so I'm thankful for this church for moving forward and um, getting outside of these walls and loving on the community. And on behalf of Phil, thank you for everybody that helped on the project. Wonderful. Good, good. And so we've already established a date. The first Sunday of October, we'll, we will be venturing out again into our community. And uh, plans are already underway for that. Very excited about the opportunity to continue helping people. Now, we all have influence. It's reported that even an introvert, how many of you are introverts? How many of you are extroverts? How many really don't care? Thank you for your honesty. It's said that even an introvert will influence some 10,000 people over a lifetime. Amazing, amazing. We influence others intentionally and accidentally (laughs) by our words and our actions. Now, the Bible is filled with men and women who influenced others, some for good, some for not so good. But there's stories throughout Scripture that tell us about the power of influence. Now, uh, Paul recognized two women of influence when he wrote to a young pastor, his name was Timothy. He said this in Second Timothy one five. You share the faith 
that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Here's the power of a woman's influence. We'll talk about that just for a moment. Now, apparently Paul was personally familiar with both Lois and Eunice and the way he addressed them. His first missionary journey had taken him through Tim's home court of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Lois and Eunice believed in Jesus. Wonderful news. By Paul's second journey back to this area a few years later called Paul's second missionary journey, these women had influenced their son and grandson to follow Jesus as well. Now, their faith had influenced Timothy since childhood, the scriptures say. From infancy, he was around the word of God. But since that point, he had made the faith his own. It's not just he was raised in a Christian home, but now the faith was his own, and so was his call to serve God. Now, Scripture tells us Timothy's dad was not a believer. He was not a believer. And these faithful women persevered and influenced an entire generation. As we know of Timothy's ministry in the early church, the pastor of Ephesus, one of Paul's uh, great friends. Now, American philosopher Henry George said in the, this in the mid-1800s, let no man imagine he has no influence. We are all influencing people all the time. And that is certainly the call of Scripture. We are to influence and not be influenced by our culture. Here's what Paul said. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone by the way that we talk, in other words. We are influencing others. And we want to make sure that our speech is done in a correct manner that glorifies God because that will become attractive. And I don't know about you, but the amount of cursing I'm hearing today at every level of our culture, it's changing rapidly. Now, we're not here to talk about that this morning, but I'm telling you a speech that is seasoned with salt, another way to translate that, is different from what the world is speaking. It is positive, it is uplifting, it is winsome, it is attractive to others. Jesus would put it like this, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You are influencing others by your actions in that passage of scripture that we've looked at many times. And let your good deeds shine so that men might glorify our Father in heaven. Very, very important. So both by words and by our actions, the Bible calls us to be influencing others. Now, there are certain ways that we influence others. Let me list a few of them. Uh, the first one, if you're following along and like to fill in the blanks, is coercion. Coercion. Today we would call that bullying. That's the more modern term for coercion. And we're much more aware of that now. Uh, this whole idea. This is the lowest form of influence, and it says, I'll do whatever I want so I can have whatever I need, and I will take it from you if I have to. Coercion. Now, I think of Bible examples. I think of King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel's day. He made this 90-foot gold statue, and he commands everybody in the kingdom to worship this thing, fall down before it. And read the book of Daniel, you'll find some guys who didn't do that. But anyway, here's what Daniel 3, 6 says. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. That's coercion, right? You're going to do what I tell you to do. 
Now that is one form of influence. You ever tried that form of influence? How'd that work for you? Ah, ah. Maybe in the short term, right? But if you're talking about relationships, doesn't work. Doesn't work. The second one is intimidation. A little different than coercion. It's often based on the person's insecurity. And if insecure person will often try to intimidate others, and that's the way they influence people. Now, understand, we've all tried these at different levels. Every, every person in the room has tried one of these at a different level. Uh, some of us just operate in this mode. Now, it might get things done in the short term, but it will absolutely kill relationships. We look into the Old Testament again, where we see Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem try to stop Nehemiah from rebuilding the wall, if you remember that story out of the book of Nehemiah. Here's what Nehemiah said. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work, so I continued to work with even greater determination. And that's often the influence of intimidation, right? It, it will backfire on you, and it'll create just the opposite of what you're trying to do, right? So we're talking about ways to influence people. Coercion, not real good. Intimidation, not good, Right? Let's try a third one, manipulation. Being passive-aggressive. What does that mean? Well, it means avoiding direct communication in a relationship, but using other things to get our way, like pouting, like procrastination, like whatever it might be. But the bottom line is we're going to influence others so that we get our way, right? Hmm. Hmm. I think of the story of Samson and Delilah. Here's what Judges says. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. Ow, that's manipulation, is it not? That's being passive-aggressive. For those of you married, how does that work? Not very good, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've tried it. Doesn't work so good, especially with my wife. It's not going to work, right? You'll identify that very, very quickly. And I have to uh, avoid this in our own context because I was raised in a home that manipulated. And our family used this as a tool. This was a way of influencing others. Manipulation. Not healthy. Not healthy at all. In fact, it can be quite abusive and wrong. And maybe at your place of work, in your family, you know people who manipulate. Not a good way to influence. Let's look at two others. How about persuasion? Literally means through sweetness. Through sweetness. This is a little better, isn't it? Yeah. It's positive. It's constructive. It's uplifting. This is a way the Bible says that we should influence. Paul said we, we work hard to persuade others we're diligent to persuade others, to influence them through sweetness. And, and this is what the church has, is, is good news to offer people. Not judgment, not criticism of their lifestyle. No, we offer good news, we offer love, we offer hope. We offer, life can be different. Your marriage can be better. Your family can be healthier. You can't find meaning and purpose in this life. It is possible and so Paul worked hard to persuade others, first of all, that they might know Jesus as Savior and have their sins forgiven. I hope you know Jesus in that way, as the forgiver of your sins, because that's where it all begins. 
That's where it all begins. And he's trying to persuade every one of us to come into his kingdom. And he's doing it through sweetness, through kindness, through his love. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. That's what he offers us. And he's wooing us. Come to me. Come to me. Attempting to persuade us. And the last one is motivation. Motivation. Influencing others to action through both our words and example. And we're the real deal. We're consistent. The way we live our life is consistent. No matter where we are or who we're with, it's consistency. And this is Lois and Eunice. They influenced Timothy. He became not only a Jesus follower, but a tremendous man of God. And what a legacy they leave. What we roared in heaven because they influenced a life. Wow. Wow. May we all live and love in such a way that others will be motivated to know and to follow God too. That we might say, follow me as I follow Christ. It's a great way to live. Watch my life. Imitate my life. Follow me. And for you moms today, what a privilege you have. And I think my 84-year-old mom and the way that she continues to influence me because of her optimism and her great hope. And she texted me two weeks ago and she said, John, I think I'm going to join a church. Now, for me to hear those words after praying for my mom for a long, long time, she's reading her Bible, she's here at the end of her life understanding what Jesus is all about. Nothing better than that, right? Now, what I'm here to say is that's more than 30 years of praying for mom and to see her slowly coming to things of the kingdom and she's preparing herself for heaven is what she's doing. She knows. She knows. She gets it. But she influenced me. I want to influence her. I want to influence those around me. Don't you want to do the same thing for the kingdom of God? Time is short. Now is the time to influence others. So moms, I just want to commend you. Stay by this stuff. It's not easy. And for those of you, this day brings a certain sense of discouragement and pain from the past and heartbreak and and a sense of incompletion and, and failure and guilt, all those kinds of things, I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus wipes all that out. And the cross of Christ is all-powerful. And we need to bring those things back to the cross and allow it to be healed, allow it to be touched, allow it to be set free by the power of our Lord Jesus. He's a great God. Do you know him? Do you know him? You want to follow him with all of our heart. Wow. Wow. I'd like to pray if that would be okay. And let's just take a moment before the Lord and open our hearts to him. And no matter what emotion you're feeling right now, God understands and God cares and he invites us to come to him so that we might be an influencer for good. Let's pray together, church. 
Father, this morning here in our church and churches across our community and county and country and well beyond, there are women. There are women who are far away from mom this morning by death or distance or differences. Here I know there are moms who have recently lost children to miscarriage and the pain that comes from that. There are women who have lost children to misunderstanding or abortion or tragedy in their lives. There are assembled here those women who have never been able to have children and those who in this moment would gladly give their children to the highest bidder. There are those who became a mom way too early. Some think perhaps too late. There are moms here who feel like a failure. And there are moms here whose children have left the nest, but they're just too busy to call. There are those who hover over their children and those who worship their children and those who are living their lives through their children. We're here. There are those who are naturals in nurturing and motherhood and those who struggle with the guilt, wondering, why doesn't this motherhood thing work for me like it does for other women? There are moms working outside the home who wish they weren't, who are agonizing over missing so many firsts. There are those new moms who really didn't sign up for this. There are those who have adult children who have wandered from the faith and carry great pain in their heart this morning. There are those women who are praying for wisdom with what to do about their own aging mom and those moms who are living alone by circumstance or abuse or abandonment or death. There are women here, Lord, who are living a lie and there are women here who desire to live sold out for Jesus. They're all here, Lord. We're all here. And I am grateful that you love every one of them. You love every one of us. You know, you care, you hurt with us, you laugh with us. And I pray for every woman here today that they would know you and love you and trust you and and follow you wholeheartedly and, and be willing to be used to influence others for your kingdom's sake. Lord, we're all here, the saints and the sinners and the wannabes. We're all here before you, Lord Jesus our King and our Savior, the one who forgives so freely and loves so deeply. We're all here, Lord, and we all desperately need you. And so, Father, would you come, Holy Spirit, and heal the brokenhearted? Would you bind up the wounds in this room as only you can do? Would you encourage the weary and bring joy and peace to every heart that is open to you? Oh God, we need you. Oh God, we love you. Thank you for giving so much for us, Lord. You have given us everything we need and more. You are a generous and abundant God. So we thank you. God, in this moment, be God. And we'll be us, your children. 
And we'll thank you for your great love. In Jesus' name. And together all God's people said.